0: Welcome to Feed the Sheep Podcast. This is your host, Ross Steele. As I always say, God is good all the time, and all the time, the devil is stupid. Here, I like to talk about things culture doesn't want to talk about. I talk about things to advance the gospel, to build the kingdom, and bless the world. Let's get right to it. Yo, what is going on, y'all? It is Feed the Sheep. Steele, back at it again, back in the saddle. You guys are probably wondering what happened to Feed the Sheep? Where's he been? Well, it's been a very, very busy summer. And because of that, I took a break from season one, which was all last, you know, you know, going into winter to spring. And we are now. We are launching. I am back, baby. We are back better than ever for season two of Feed the Sheep. Let's get down to business. So You guys wondering what's been going on? Well, I, I, I basically just, let's put it out there. I wanted to end on a high note and that was with Caden Key and Marcus DePeel. We were talking about, uh, back in May mental health awareness month. So I wanted to end there because I wanted it to kind of just be like, you know, that high note of like, you know, mental health, super important and not to push yourself or force anything in on yourself to, to overwhelm yourself or, or stress or, you know, anything that would welcome that, that, that mindset, that mental health. So what I did y'all and y'all didn't know it, I didn't say it. So I don't, I don't, you know, I I apologize. I'll apologize to y'all right now for not letting you know that season one ended and to wait for season two, but we're going to start off strong here at season two and season two, we're going to start. We got six, episodes that are going to be dropping. And these first six are from revision conference 2022 for y'all who listened thus far, uh, back in the last season, I was telling you, you know, I had a vision from the Lord back in, uh, 2019, January, 2019 to bring a young adult conference to the Indianapolis area. Uh, one that is for the kingdom, not my kingdom, but his kingdom Uh, One for the church, not my church, not your church, not, not our, not, not uh, any specific church, but it's the church. Um, That's the, the body of Christ. Um, That's everybody, every church, every denomination, y'all. And basically for 13 months, we planned it. And in July 22nd and 23rd of 2022, we did it y'all with the, grace of God. It was done. It wasn't my own doing. It wasn't my team. The grace of God was in the middle of it all. And I want to start season two by releasing the audio clips, the messages. We have six messages that came and y'all, let me tell you the spirit moved. He was, he was on the move. He was moving in hearts. He was, he was, man, we ran out of tissues on night one on one side of the, the altar people were crying. People were, were, were really feeling the the Holy spirit. He moved y'all. And I'm just, I'm a, I'm honored. Um, I recognize it's an honor and a privilege to be on the stage, to be on this platform. And I thank God every day for choosing me. And I just, I just want people to know Jesus guys. That's, that's, that's the purpose of all this. So if you missed revision 2022, and you want to hear what went down? Well, stay tuned and share this with a friend. Share 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 these messages if they if they touch you and you're like, "Man, this was great." Share it with a friend. Share it with a family member. It doesn't have to be a young adult, but that's just where my heart was at revision, but you can share this with anybody of any age. And I want you guys to know that as i was thinking about when when am i going to launch these two i was like dude no better way no better option than to start it with the the release scene of the messages from revision conference 2022 so buckle up if you're driving just stay buckled you should already be buckled if you're sitting down maybe you're doing laundry maybe you're cooking dinner maybe you're cooking breakfast whatever it is i would just want y'all to 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 settle in Whatever it is you're doing, grab a note pen, uh, a notebook, and a a pen or note pen. Maybe they make those. If somebody doesn't make note pens by now, well, they should. And I'll take royalties on that. But anyways, grab a notebook, grab a pen, grab your notes app, whatever it is. Unless you're driving, and listen up to what we have from Revision 2022. But as always, y'all, we're gonna start with a word of prayer, Father. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for each speaker who came to Revision 22. And thank you for uh, every individual who had registered and came, um, who, who met with you in in the midst of it all. And the worship, Lord, the anointed, uh, spirit-led worship, Father, thank you for leading us in worship. Thank you for leading our hearts uh, to the foot of the cross, Lord. May we lay it all down for you. May you be the focus and the center of it all. Continue to move in our lives. May we continue to build this young adult community here in the Indianapolis area. Uh, And I just pray that your word, your voice is heard through the midst of it all. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Listen up, guys. This is going to be awesome. We're going to start first things first with Shannon Anderson from session one of Revision 2022.
1: Stories matter. And you know, we have to be careful today to decide what stories are true. We have to really discern with everything in the news, everything going on in the world. It's so easy to to think one story might be true or another story might not be. And I'll tell you that on my way here, I had stories going through my head. Satan was working saying, you're old enough to be the mom of all of these people in this crowd. (laughs) And I was, I was experiencing just a little bit of imposter syndrome. Um, but you know, the Bible tells us that we're two or more are gathered in His name, Jesus is with us, and He's with us tonight. And so I have nothing to fear. So when I was preparing for this talk for months. I was listening to sermons. I was reading all the books I've done book studies on. I was listening to podcasts. And I was taking all of this information in and I had all of these things distilled down to you know, the lessons to learn from everything that I had voraciously taken in. But something felt off. Something just felt like it was missing. And then when I thought about it and I prayed about it, I realized that what was missing were the stories. (laughs) You see, I had taken everything and distilled it down to my takeaways, and to do that is to rob you of the experience. It would be like me eating this delicious piece of red velvet cake with cream cheese frosting, and just telling you the nutritional contents and the recipe, and maybe my opinion of how it tasted. That wouldn't be as great of an experience as if you got to actually eat some of that cake, right? And so I'm here to share stories. I decided after (laughs) looking through all of my takeaways that I needed to instead be sharing some actual stories with you to let you experience it with me. And I love stories. So what Ross didn't mention is I taught for 25 years, elementary school, longer than some of you have been alive. And then I started writing children's books, and I started having more and more books come out and I got to the point, it turns out teachers are really busy people. I didn't have enough time to teach full-time and try to do this writing thing. And so two years ago, I, I left teaching and now I write and speak full-time. So I love writing stories, I love telling stories, I used to use stories in my classroom to teach things to my students. and. I love hearing stories. I love preserving stories. So I'm a big scrapbook queen. My girls each have a whole set of scrapbooks each for every year of their lives. And so stories are powerful. And the reason that's true is because they connect us. So when I tell you a story, it connects our hearts. We know just a little bit more about each other. And so just to kind of prove my theory here, I'm going to show you this picture. So this is my youngest daughter, Maddie. She just graduated, as you can see here, from high school, and she's going to be going through Purdue to um, study veterinary nursing for exotic animals. And so now you know just this little bit about this picture and about me. And so what I'm going to have you do to have you experience this is I want you to get out your phone. I know normally in church we're supposed to put those away. You're going to get out your phone and I want you to find a picture of something that God has recently blessed you with. This was a blessing that I experienced last month. And then what I want you to do, bonus points if it's someone you didn't come with or you don't know, I'm going to give you one minute, I have a countdown clock, remember I was an elementary teacher, and I'm going to give you one minute to share one of God's blessings, a picture on your phone. I can already see smiles coming across your faces. I want you to share it with someone and then have someone share with you. And just share very briefly, like I did, just, you know, what this picture's about and why it was a blessing, okay? You may go. I don't know how to make that, (laughs) how to make the the countdown work. (laughs) I'll just time you on my own. but that's okay, because the experiment did. So I was hearing, aww, and I was seeing smiles, and I was seeing you connecting. And you were just sharing a little sliver, a tiny story about one picture or maybe two that you were sharing. And that connected you with someone. It it helped you to know a little bit more about them, maybe care a little bit more about them. And that was always my goal in the classroom, was to get kids to know each other, to care about each other, to build that community. I always told my students that this isn't a classroom, it's a family room. We are family in here. We had t-shirts made that said Team Anderson, and it said all for one and one for all. And that's because if we care about each other, if we know about each other, then we're going to have more compassion and we're going to help each other more. Now, switching gears a little bit, have you ever, like I drove an hour and a half here from Rensselaer, it's where I'm from. Have you ever been behind a driver that was either going incredibly slow or you questioned how they got their license in the first place (laughs) and you were thinking, oh my goodness, how is it possible they are this bad at driving? Well, I think we've all been there before, right? But would it change how you felt if you knew a tiny sliver of the story? If you saw, oh, my clicker died. That's not good. Oh, sorry. If you saw this on the car, would that change how you feel about that driver? Would it help you to give a little bit more compassion? (laughs) So, I can tell you, you know, maybe you remember back when you were behind that driver's seat for the first couple of times on your own and you were a little bit nervous. And I can tell you after having two drivers, two girls go through that, I hoped that people would be compassionate and patient with them as they were driving. But that's because we knew a little bit about their story. Now when I was teaching, there were times that I wish kids could come in with bumper stickers to help me know what was going on that they could let me know in some way if they didn't feel like sharing why they were acting up or why they weren't participating or why they were falling asleep at their desk. And sometimes we don't know their stories and we can't help them as much. We, we don't know how to pray for them. And so that's another thing where if we can share stories, we're able to reach out and help those people. You know, trees are like this. We don't know their story until we cut them, and then there's no life left. And then we can see a little peek inside their story. You know, all those concentric circles, every two circles is a year of the tree's life. And there's a difference in if it's a thinner ring or if it's a thicker one, if it was a year of good growth, lots of rain, and you know, the right amount of warmth that wasn't too hot, too cold. And you can even see if there was a fire there, if, if it survived a fire, you'll, you'll see that where it says F there for fire. Um, so we know a little bit about that tree's life. But again, you know, sometimes we don't know each other's stories. And Galatians 6-2 tells us to share each other's troubles and problems and in this way obey the law of Christ. So if we can share stories, We can give someone hope, like if I know what's going on with my students, or if you know what's going on with one of your friends, or someone that you don't even know, but you just noticed that, if we can share our stories, we can help them. And stories help us when we're going through a new stage of life, and it can help us feel a little bit braver. So for example, the first time a woman becomes pregnant, that's a whole new experience. There are all kinds of changes happening. There are all kinds of new worries and fears. And if you can have someone come alongside you who has been through that and share their story and to reassure you and to pray with you and to know that it's going to be okay, um, that can help us feel a little bit braver. Or on the converse side, after I had Emily, my oldest daughter, um, we, I became pregnant again and we miscarried. and. Miscarriage isn't something that you broadcast on Facebook. It's not something that you share openly. And so I didn't realize how common it was. And so I thought something was wrong with me and I was filled with fear that maybe this meant, you know, now my body was broken and I wasn't gonna be able to have any more kids. But it, it was in being able to confide in some people that I trusted to find out that there were so many people in the same boat as me that had had a healthy child and then miscarried and then had several healthy children after that. And knowing that story helped me to feel a little bit braver. Now stories can also help us feel like we're not alone, like I felt. So this is my youngest, Maddie. And when she was in preschool, we discovered she had amblyopia and strabismus. And my oldest daughter, Emily, had strabismus. It's it's basically when your two eyes don't work together with the brain. They work separately, so you have monocular vision instead of binocular vision. And Emily had to have eye muscle surgery and all kinds of things, so we were kind of watching for Maddie because they said it was something that could be a genetic thing. And we noticed that when she would be watching TV or reading a book, she would kind of turn her head to look at it, almost like she was just using one eye to see. And we thought, well, that's kind of strange. And so we took her to an ophthalmologist and he said, well, you're exactly right. She is using one eye to see. So what happened was she has strabismus. Her eyes are working separately with the brain, but she also had amblyopia, which is when one of your eyes might have almost perfect vision and the other one, the vision is pretty bad. Well, what your brain does in that situation is it shuts off the eye that is not working and just decides, I'm going to work with this one because I can see out of it. And so, her brain has shut off this eye and she, if we hadn't caught it early enough, could have lost complete vision. And that's when you hear people, you know, that have lazy eye. That's what that is. And so the good news was you can wear a patch over your good eye. So your brain has to use that other eye and then it strengthens it as it is in use, just like a muscle. And so that's what she had to do. But we didn't know anyone else who was wearing an eye patch and she hadn't seen any other kids wearing an eye patch and she was you know kind of nervous about going to school are kids going to make fun of me you know there were times that we would be out in public and even grown adults would say things like oh look at the little pirate (laughs) and she did not like that and so I I ended up, you know, we, we prayed about it, and we worked through it, and, and you know, once she got in there into her classroom that first time wearing it, and she told the story of why she was wearing it, then everyone understood, and it was fine. You know, it's like when someone breaks a leg or an arm, of course people are going to say, whoa, what happened? And you tell your story, and then they know, and then everyone knows, okay, well, that's, that's the story. We don't have to keep asking. And so what I ended up doing is, I wanted to share her story with others that might be in the same boat, that felt alone because they're wearing this patch, and so I was able to share her experience and how she got through it actually with a sense of humor. When someone asked her that first day when she was wearing her patch, why she was covering her eye, she said, well, my eye's lazy. If it were a kid, it probably wouldn't pick up its toys, so I gotta give my good eye a break and make that lazy eye do some work. That was in preschool. (laughs) Can you imagine? She's a teenager now. (laughs) Pray for me. But. I was able to write my first children's book about her, it's called I Am Not a Pirate. (laughs) And so I was able to share that story, and every August is Amblyopia Awareness Month, and I was able to share that then with hundreds and hundreds of people that are going through the same thing because as we were going through that I was connecting with online parent groups who have kids who have eye issues and I couldn't believe how many other people actually have kids wearing eye patches. And so you know when we reach out with our stories we find out that we are actually not alone. We can also praise God through our stories and this is what we should be doing. A couple of years ago, I was heading to a book signing in Indianapolis at a Barnes & Noble, and when I got on to 865, I wasn't sure, so let me preface this with my husband is the police chief of our town, (laughs) so I obey the laws. (laughs) I didn't know what the speed limit was on that road, and so I didn't see any signs when I first pulled on. And so I looked over at my phone, which had my directions on it because it usually has the little speed limit sign, you know. And as I looked over at my phone, I did this (laughs) with my wheel and it was a newly paved road and it hadn't been smoothed out yet on the shoulder. So it was a pretty thick um, black top. And so I quickly realized I was swerving off and I overcorrected. I ended up going head on into the cable barrier in the middle and then hitting every side of my van. Um, And I remember all of the airbags went off in the van and they were like, Seven of them or something and I couldn't see anymore because the airbag and my steering wheel was Inflated and there was powder everywhere so I just closed my eyes and started praying like the song says Jesus take the wheel and please help me and you know what he did and when I opened my eyes. I don't remember hitting the brake. I don't remember shutting off the car or anything. I don't know how all of that happened. But when I opened my eyes and I pushed down the airbag so I could see, I had landed perfectly facing the right way. No one was behind me. I didn't hit anyone or hurt anyone. And I was... um, I was completely turned back around the way I needed to be just the right amount between that cable barrier and the shoulder where I was off the road, safe and sound. Well then my next thing after, you know, that relief was, okay, so am I, (laughs) is anything broken or detached or anything? I was in shock and I was able to just open up the door and walk out and I was fine. And I called the police and then I called my husband and the policewoman who came was wonderful. God sent, like, the perfect person for me to deal with the situation and get me calmed down. And as I was sitting in her car and filling out, you know, some papers for her, I noticed there was some blood on the paper. I was like, oh no, where where is it coming from? And it was just a tiny scratch on my finger. And besides that, I had some bruises on my calves from the airbags that were down by my feet. And that was it. As a matter of fact, the policewoman ended up taking me to the Barnes and Noble, and I arrived 10 minutes early to the book signing. (laughs) My husband met me there. They towed away the van, and I was able to share God's story and what He did for me with every single person that came through my book signing line. It was wonderful. Now, of course, we can also share our stories to bring others to Christ. That's what we're called to do. And so I have a sister, and she has a daughter, and she's a single mom, and she did not um, go to church. she I've invited her, and she's come with me maybe three or four times in her life, and her niece was not going to church except for those three or four times, and my niece. And there's this place, Gold Lake, ministry family camp that um, is a wonderful place. If you're ever looking for a family <laughs> vacation, it's amazing. But I knew that our church had lots of families that used to go there every summer. And even our um, youth pastors, uh, leaders, the youth leaders, would take like a group of kids. You know, if they weren't going with their families, they would take a group, an awesome place. And so one year we invited Kinsey, my niece, to go with us. And this is the moment that she was saved. She got to not only through her whole life hear my story, my husband's story, my daughter's stories, but then coming here, she had a wonderful counselor, a wonderful experience and got to hear God's story over and over again through that week. And this was on the last day. So that is, my daughter is sandwiched in the middle there. And then that guy there is actually my son-in-law. So Gull Lake Ministry Camp is a special place for us, not only because my my niece, Kenzie, was saved there, but my daughter, Emily, had a lot of anxiety when she was little. And you know, one of the things that she was really anxious about was tornadoes. Like if there was a thunderstorm or a heavy rain, she was sure there was going to be a tornado. And it didn't help that my husband always had to go out and help spot the funnel clouds and everything. Like all the police were out there looking for funnels. So she lost her protector during storms and it was just me. (laughs) And she was just always afraid of that. She was also afraid to spend the night at anyone's house. She lost out on so many opportunities, 4-H camps, swim camps, leadership camps, all kinds of things because she was terrified to spend the night somewhere. And if Matt and I went somewhere away, she was fearful uh, for us, like worried about us. Something could happen to us. And she just always had these anxieties. And so we decided that You know, we had prayed about how can we help her through this, and you know, we would pray for her before she would try to spend the night at someone's house, but we would get that phone call in the middle of the night, and we would come and get her. And so we talked to our pastor about it, and he and his wife actually came to our house one night and helped us deliver the news that she was going to go to Gold Lake Family Ministry Camp. (laughs) This This was back in middle school. And as we were delivering this news to her, you could see her starting to go into fetal position on the couch. She was curling up. She was scooting away from me, and she was in tears. She was so scared. I mean, she was going to be going to Michigan a whole state away, and the week of that camp, I was going to be in Los Angeles at a writing conference, so I wasn't going to be able to come and get her if she needed me to, which was, I think, part of God's design in that, because I might have. <laughs> and Pastor Jim, our pastor, told her, so what I want you to do is I want you to memorize Second Timothy 1, seven, for God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and self-control. And when you have that memorized, Laura and I, his wife, which was her youth leader, are going to take you to Dairy Queen. We're going to enjoy some blizzards together. We're going to pray together and you're going to go to this camp and it's going to be fine. And I still remember feeling like the worst mom ever. Causing her to go, you know, this tough love thing is really hard. And I remember dropping her off at the youth leader's house to go, and she was in tears. I remember even the van door slamming shut and thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? Because I could see her through the window crying. And she went, I flew off to California. And we had gotten special permission for her to take, you know, one of those little track phones. (laughs) So her youth leader had a little track phone that if she needed to call us, she could. And so that first night I'm in LA and I'm just waiting for the call and it didn't come. And I thought, well, do I call her or if things are going well, I don't want to, you know, like ruin things and make her worry. So I just let it go prayed about it and went to bed. And then the next day I was busy all day with the conference and then that, that next night she didn't call. I thought, okay, well something, I I need to know what's going on. And so I called my friend, her youth leader, and I said, Heather, is she okay? Is she so mad at me that she doesn't even want to talk to me? And she said, oh, Shannon, she has been so busy ziplining and climbing the rock walls and her, oh my goodness, the counselor that she has is amazing. And she is having so much fun. I think when her head hits the pillow, she's just out. She's just so tired and and she's just learning so many things about conquering her fear with faith. and. I was like, well, can I talk to her? I was like, she ziplined? She climbed a rock wall? I mean, my little fearful one that wouldn't do anything. And I got her on the phone and she was like, mom, this place is so awesome. And I was like, so you're not upset about going anymore? She's like, no, I want to stay, you know, this is great. And I was just crying tears of joy. And so what I was able to do is, when, when I got back from LA, I was able to pick her up and she looked really sad and I thought, are you still kind of upset that I forced you to go? And she said, no, I'm upset because I wanted to stay another week. It was such a life changing experience for her and her faith grew leaps and bounds in that time that she was there. And since that time that when she was in middle school, we've been back every single year since she wanted to go back. And not only that, but while she was in high school, our church was sending um, a group out for a ministry, trip, a, a ministry trip to the border of Texas and Mexico. And when my husband found out where it was, it was actually a very dangerous area. He's like, there's a lot of drug cartel in that area. I've, I've read books about that area that are, yeah, it's kind of scary. And so the table was kind of flipped on us, like we were now the ones fearful, and Emily wanted to go. And so we had to make sure and, and be those ro- the role models for her that, you know, we are not going to have that spirit of fear. And so she went. And then in college, she went to Skid Row and she she shared God's Word and she helped the homeless there. And that was a really scary experience as well. And now she is actually a teacher in Indianapolis at Heritage Christian. She teaches first grade, that's her class. <laughs> and just seeing her growth and how God has made her so strong in her faith that she can conquer any of these things that terrified her before, I wanted to share her story. And so guess what? (laughs) I wrote a book about her story and I called it Not What I Signed Up For because she did not sign up to go to Gold Lake and it ended up changing her though. And so back to the way stories can help us. Stories can teach us our history. It can teach us um, about our history of our family and their faith journey. Psalms 102.18 says, write down for the future generation what the Lord has done so that people not yet born will praise him. This is my story. So this is my mom. She was 16 and she became pregnant with me. She was dating a guy way older than her. He had already been through the army and had been married and had two kids and got divorced and then was dating my mom. And she became pregnant. And he told her that if, he, if she had planned to keep me, that she had to drop out of high school. And she did. And so it was rough. As you can imagine, I mean, I remember distinctly when both of my girls, were when they were that age of 16, thinking, I cannot imagine them raising a child. (laughs) Like I don't, I, I just try to put myself in my mom's shoes and I can't imagine a kid raising a kid, how hard that must have been for her. She would babysit and all of the kids that she babysat for, she would have the parents bring their lunch because she couldn't afford to feed all of them. And then she told me that what she would do is she would give, them, give me a little bit of each of their lunches so that I would have something to eat because she said every week she would buy a sack of potatoes because back then it was a dollar a bag and she'd make baked potatoes, potato soup, and you know, fried potatoes, all kinds of potato dishes. And that's what we were eating. I remember going to garage sales with her. I remember her learning to sew. She sewed a lot of my clothing. I remember one time we hit a jackpot at a garage sale. We found a little purse that had the guest symbol on it, and back then that was the jeans to wear. And we took a seam ripper to that little purse that we got for a quarter and she sewed that little guest symbol on my jeans so I could have my first pair of guest jeans. (laughs) She was very creative. She was hardworking. We – embarrassing, but I'm just going to share my story – we dumpster dived. (laughs) Dumpster dove. Dumpster dived. How would you say that? We would find things and we would turn them into treasures. We would go out and ride a golf cart in the country and collect cans. We did all kinds of things and worked hard and I'm so proud of her, but it was never easy. And I remember my dad being so old fashioned, back then they were still together, and I wanted to play sports. And he said, sports are for boys. You're not gonna be in sports, okay. And then, you know, when you get into middle school, you can join the band. And I wanted to play the drums. And that is a boy instrument, if you didn't know, although my daughter Maddie played drums, but he said flute and clarinet were the girl instruments. If I wanted to be in band, that's what I had to play. And so the um, old fashionedness continued when I started talking about college. Because when I was in high school, my mom ended up deciding to go back and get her GED, and I was able to tutor her through that because I was in high school taking those hard math classes and learning all of those things, and that's what made me decide I wanted to be a teacher because I saw the power of an education. She was able to get a job after she got her GED. But to be a teacher, you have to go to college. And so, My dad said, (laughs) I just needed to get married and stay at home like my mom did with the kids and take care of the house. And I didn't need to go to college. No one on his family, his side of the family went to college. No one on my mom's side of the family went to college. We can't afford college. So you won't be able to go to college. Now, thankfully I had an aunt that believed in me and told me, Shannon, if you work hard, you can get good enough grades to get some academic scholarships, and I will try to help you with the rest." And so I worked really, really hard, but it turns out, I was a really slow reader. And it's funny, because I was a really early reader, and I was in the gifted programs, but I read very slowly. I remember a high school professor or high school um, teacher telling me that I needed to take speed reading classes because I was reading so slowly. And I think part of it was because I, I'm one of those readers that reads every single word. Like, I can't skim and scan. Like, I have to read every word to get it in there. And the other thing was to remember it, I, w- I would have trouble. And so, this is what I would have to do. Like, let's say I have to read a chapter in my, my world history book. I would have to read it into, this is going to date me, a tape recorder. And I would then play it back to myself. You know how awful it is to hear your own voice. I had to listen to myself read it back to me while I took notes to then know everything I read. And that takes a lot of time. I spent a lot of times getting up super early in the morning to finish back up again when it would be like the time for a test or something. And so, All that to say, I remember the day when the guidance counselor called me in and said, you're gonna need to prepare a speech because you are the salutatorian of your class. And I didn't even know what that meant. I was just trying to work hard. I didn't know what, what that title meant. And so I asked, and, and she explained it to me. And so another thing about my dad, he was a perfectionist. Like you could eat off of his garage floor. Everything was meticulous and organized. And if I ever brought home something, the A with a minus after it, he would ask me what that minus was there for. So you can probably guess with my foreshadowing right there that when I told him I'd gotten salutatorian, He asked why I didn't get valedictorian. (laughs) So, but the thing was, it earned me some really good scholarships, and I was able to become a teacher. But not knowing someone's story sometimes can be a missed opportunity. The first interview that I went to after college was this principal. He's sitting, I still remember sitting across the table from him, And he's got my resume in front of him. And I was a nervous wreck, as you can imagine. And he said, I don't hire people like you. And I was almost in tears, like, what does that mean? And he said, well, people that get straight A's, salutatorians, valedictorians, don't know how to struggle. I don't hire people like you. I want people that know how, that they had to struggle through school and know that learning can be hard. And so again, stories, if you don't know someone's story, it could be a missed opportunity because obviously he didn't hire me. You know, the funny thing is though, I ended up teaching at that school later when I moved back to my hometown. But at the time, you know, he thought, he just assumed because of what he saw there, that that was the story. And I was too upset to share the real story. And so I didn't end up getting that position. Another thing about stories, something that I love about my church was that they, they, well, they still do, this arm-in-arm fellowship, it was called, and it was for women. And I don't know if the men had a, a similar program or not, but I know for the women, it was, you could sign up and there would be a mentor and a mentee, and you could sign up for whichever you felt comfortable being, what you wanted to be, and I always signed up as the mentee because going through uh, my childhood, we didn't go to church very often. I was always able to go to Sunday school and Wednesday night, and it wasn't until I got my license that I was able to drive myself to church, but I always felt like I missed out on so much, like I didn't know all the verses like some of the pe- my friends that did get to go to church. And so you could sign up and do this and for a whole year you got together once a week with this woman and they just kind of put you under their wing and they they helped you through life. And I learned so much from the women that mentored me over the different years. They invested so much in me, their time and sharing their walk of faith because they were a little further in their, in their walk than me. And I encourage you, if you ever have the opportunity to either be mentored or to mentor someone younger than you, it is an amazing experience. Well this woman, she happens to go to my church and she's actually my mom's age and she was kind of like a mom, uh, another mom to me on the road because when I was in my 30s, I used to do a full marathon every year and she ran marathons too. And this is when we, this was the Disney marathon that we did. (laughs) So we put in a lot of miles together and when you're training for a marathon with someone, you get to know them really well. You tell a lot of stories because you have a lot of hours out there running together. And she would always share such strong, bold faith with me. She had such a strong faith. She had lost her son to a three-wheeler accident at a young age. I think he was a senior in high school. She had lost her grandson to a disease. And yet she was, she stood firm and she had so much knowledge to share and so much trust in God despite bad things happening in her life. And I can remember sharing things with her, like I felt like I could talk to her about anything. And I would share things like, you know, Matt and I were just starting to have kids and we noticed like the friends that we used to kind of hang out with and we would go on trips with, um, vacations, that they were starting to ask us less and less to go with them. And I didn't know if it was because we had kids or if we were getting really boring or, you know, what was going on. And part of it, I think, was we're not partiers, you know, we, we aren't drinkers. And... When I shared all of this with Carol, she said, Shannon, they probably feel convicted when they're around you. So it's not that you're doing something wrong, it's that you're doing a lot right, and sin doesn't feel as good around people that are walking the straight line and and in faith. And then that made me realize that oh, I need to keep shining my light and not change that. And I also need to try to find other friends that, um, you know, other, other Christians. And eventually th- those friends came around. Um, I think some people just need, need some time. Now, I want to share this story about something that happened with my own family. This was when my girls were younger and I remember it being in a November because it was during the time that the TV was showing all of those commercials that are the new toys and gadgets that they want you to ask, they want kids to ask you for, for Christmas. And so I was hearing, I want that. Can I have that? Can grandma get me that? Can I have that? I want that. And it made me so sad thinking that they're being very selfish about, you know, like what they're going to get for Christmas. And I also remember a particular day that we made a decision to do something It was a day that was one of those busy times, you know, like one of them was at dance practice. They were getting ready to go to youth group and we were kind of tag teaming and, and trying to get everything done. I was stirring chili on the stove. I had the phone. This is back when we had the phone that you could actually put on your shoulder and rest it there while you're talking. And I remember Maddie coming in and tugging on me while I'm on the phone. I remember the dog scratching at the door, wanting back in the house. All of these things are going on at once and just feeling very overwhelmed. And I remember Matt coming in with Emily from dance practice and they both, he seemed a little bit annoyed that the food wasn't ready yet and we needed to like go, go, go so that they could get off to youth group. And I remember Emily saying, is that smell our dinner? What is that? And I just about lost it at that point. That night I went to bed with a heavy heart. Now, Back then, I didn't have the Bible app on my phone. What we used to use is this little book of promises, it was called, and it had this great index and you could look through and you could look things up that you wanted to know more about or know verses for, you know, marriage or, you know, um, loss, grieving, those kinds of things. So I, I was looking up selfishness, greed, you know, all of these things, you know, what can we do to get out of this? And I came across this verse. Philippians 2, 3, 3, 4. Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And it just, God laid on my heart an idea. And I went to the store and I got this composition notebook, this is the actual one, and I wrote deed diary on it. And that next day, I sat my husband and my girls down and we had a family meeting. Of course, my husband rolled his eyes and the girls were kind of excited like, oh, what is this? You know, what's going on? And I said, you know, I feel like we aren't thinking of others as much as maybe we should be. And so in order to do that, I think it would be really cool if we, you know, just did like a good deed every day did something to bring a smile to someone's face, just an act of kindness. And it doesn't have to be anything big. It can be you see someone with their arms full and you hold the door open for them, or you see trash on the street and it's not yours, but you know it doesn't belong in the street and you pick it up. So things like that. And so what I wanted to do is have that journal, that little deed diary be our accountability. And so I said, you know what? Each night we're gonna talk about what each of us did and I will write it down in here. And so again, my husband's like, I'm a police officer. I do nice things every day. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. These are not the things that we already do. This is something different. It doesn't count giving grandma a birthday card. We already give her a birthday card every year. This has to be something different above and beyond. And so we started doing these things. And the first bonus was how awesome is it to sit down to dinner together and have a conversation about how you lifted others up or made someone smile or brought joy to a day. That was awesome. We would just sit at the table and I would say, Maddie, what did you do for someone today? And I'd write it down, Emily, what did you do? Well, here's what I did, Matt, what did you do? And we would write them down. And so I have the date and what we all did. And we kept doing that. And I noticed that this was starting to work because I could hear the girls talking at night about what they were going to do the next day, or I would see them making a card or a picture for someone. And we did all kinds of things. You know, there were some mornings we would go to the bakery. Our bakery is famous for these smiley face cookies. So it's a sugar cookie with icing on it. And then they like airbrush a rainbow and a big smiley face. And they're delicious. And I would get a dozen cookies and I would have them. I'm sure they loved me. I would say, can you put each of those cookies in a separate bag? <laughs> and then we would hand them out and just say, have a nice day, have a nice day, and we would give them out. There was one morning that I pulled up, you know, in the mom mobile in front of school, and Maddie said, can you let me out? And so I stopped the van and she jumped out to give the crossing guard, who was not known for smiling much, (laughs) gave the crossing guard one of these little bags and said, have a nice day. And I remember looking at his face going like, what is this? And he opened it up and he saw that smiley face. I think it's the first time I ever saw his teeth and a big smile. And it did exactly what we wanted it to do. It brightened someone's day. It made him feel like someone was thinking of him and cared about him. And so in doing all of these things, it made a difference. And it started to have some ripple effects. because. One day, one of the things that Maddie did, she came home one night and she said, Mom, I was talking about Jesus on recess, and Allie said that they don't go to church and that she doesn't have a Bible. I was like, oh. So I was wondering if for my thing tomorrow, could I give a Bible to Allie? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, we have some extra of those, you know, adventure Bibles. And so I gave that to her to give to her friend. And so that next night, of course, when we had dinner and we were talking about what we all did, I said, Maddie, how did it go when you gave the Bible to Allie? And she said, well, she was really excited, but Jesse and um, I can't remember the name of the other girl. Bree, said, they don't have Bibles, and they wondered if we have any more. <laughs> I said, well, okay. And so we were able to get a couple more Adventure Bibles. And at this point, I know this is terrible, but I was thinking, I'm a public school teacher, and this is at my school. I, am I gonna get in trouble for this? Like we're peddling Bibles <laughs> at the school. And um, she gave them out. This kept happening. She ended up giving out seven Bibles, but here's the clincher. So one morning we were writing to school and she passes up this piece of paper. This is the exact piece of paper. It's all ripped. I still have it. And she said, Mom, when we get to school, will you make eight copies of this piece of paper? And I was like, um, okay, what is it? (laughs) And she said, "Well." The Bibles, they don't know anything. And so I went through and I tried to think of places they might have at least heard of, like you know, when God made the world in Genesis, and you know, like John 3 16 or or Christmas or Noah's Ark, those kinds of things, and I tried to find those spots in the Bible. If you could make copies for me, we're going to meet under the big tree on recess and have a Bible study. I was like, oh wow! I actually started crying. (laughs) She was nine, and she had this idea on her own to do this, my little evangelist. (laughs) And so, of course, we made copies, and she had her little Bible study. I remember her teacher coming to me (laughs) after school, she's like, Shannon, your daughter's leading a Bible study on recess, like, good. (laughs) And so then... I got a little nudge from God. I was thinking, if there are seven kids in her class alone who don't know Jesus and are craving this, how many other kids in this school don't know Jesus, don't have a Bible, don't go to church? And then you know how God does that to you. He gives you that nudge and says, you need to do something about that. And I'm thinking, I'm in a public school though. I mean, what am I going to do? And I was always the one that was not feeling confident. Like, for example, at my church, because I didn't grow up getting to go to church regularly. I always felt like I was behind everyone else. I didn't know as much as everyone else. So I would volunteer to be in the nursery rocking babies or to be preparing the breakfast for everybody to arrive. I never, ever said I would do Sunday school because I didn't feel confident enough. Yet God kept telling me. And as you know, you might not feel equipped, but he equips those he calls. And so I went to my superintendent and I said, you know, there's a fellowship of Christian athletes at the middle school and the high school. Could I have a club that's the fellowship of Christian students at our school? And my school was third, fourth and fifth grade. I was teaching third grade at the time. And he was a Christian man, and he said, You know, we actually need this. We need more of that. He said, If you do it before or after school, and you can't just like send home a paper in everyone's book bag inviting them. I was like, Okay, all right. And then I had permission to have this. Christian club at our public school. So I decided to have it on Friday mornings before school, the hour before, and God's hand was in it from the beginning. Like as soon as I got that permission, like I started getting ideas for what I could do during that hour. And people were just like, parents were, can I bring a breakfast treat? Can I bring juice? Can I bring my guitar and sing a song? I mean, it was amazing. And you know, you know when God's hand is in something that it's, it's all going to work out. It's, it's part of his perfect plan. And um, so we started having these meetings. And the way I was able to get people there is I went to, I, I asked the local churches in our town if I could have 10 minutes or five minutes at the beginning on Wednesday night of their youth group and I could just invite them and I could give them a paper there. And then the superintendent said I could also, it was okay if the principal was okay with it, to announce that they could pick up information in the office on their own if they wanted to. And so he made that announcement for me. The Fellowship of Christian Students Group ended up being our biggest club in the entire school, a school of around 300 kids. We had 75 kids coming an hour before school starts on Fridays to come and learn about Jesus. And you know, the coolest phone calls and emails I got were from parents saying, my kid has been talking about some club you're doing that kids come out of your room first thing in the morning on Fridays and they're just like all having so much fun and everything and they're wondering if they can join, but we're not religious people. Is it okay if they come though? I mean, like we don't go to church, but can they come? I was like, yes. Yes, you can come. I don't know how many people we were able to reach by coming, and that was their first experience and exposure to the Bible and to God, but what a blessing. And so, that was another ripple effect of starting to do a D today. day, and Maddie asked for a Bible, and then it just kept going. Let's see here, oh, there we go. So here's something really cool. I I figured out how I was going to spend that hour before school. I was going to start by having some people sing. Sometimes it was Maddie. My daughter Maddie plays ukulele, and you know, I always used to pray for God to give me a voice, a singing voice, (laughs) and the way He gave it to me was through Maddie. I still can't sing, but she can sing like an angel. She's in the praise band at our church. But she would sometimes come in with her ukulele and lead song. Sometimes other people would come in. but. After that and after we would pray, the biggest, most impactful part of the whole meeting was having someone come in that the kids looked up to to share their story of their faith. That was the most impactful. I had high school kids, because these are 3rd, 4th, and 5th graders. Remember how you looked up to when you were little, those high school kids? And I invited college kids, and if they were football players, or if they were cheerleaders or whatever, I asked them to wear their uniform. I even had my husband come in, he's on the SWAT team, and he um, went through like his, he brought in his shield and talked about the armor of God and went through every piece, and how the SWAT team prayed together before they went in and made entry in a home. And so having those types of people come in for these meetings was so impactful. And I swear the most impactful part was the stories that these people shared. And then that led to, I ended up having a kindness club. I ended up doing um, kindness things in our classroom where we were doing Adidas day for the classroom and spreading joy through the school. Um, This one little girl, I'll point out this, uh, the little index cards, she, for her kindness project, she said, you know, when I come to lunch every day, I bring my lunch and every day my mom has a note in there for me, either on my napkin or just a little piece of paper or something to tell me to have a good day. And I noticed a lot of kids that brought their lunch don't have a note from the parent. So I'm gonna write a note for every single kid who brings their lunch. (laughs) It's like, wow, that's a lot of kids. You know, around 300 kids. She stayed in for recess for weeks. She looked up verses, she looked up quotes, she looked up all kinds of things. She decorated with sequins that she individually glued on and wrote in all different colors. She spent weeks doing this. And then we spent time during her recess to go through lockers and find kids who had brought lunches and slid one in there so it would be a surprise when they went to lunch that day. So just little things like that um, kids were doing and seeing the power of um, spreading joy and, and love. Well then you know me, I wanted to share the story of how Adida Day made an impact on our lives and maybe it could help someone else that was dealing with selfishness or, um, you know, something. And so. I subscribed to the uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and they had their upcoming topic was find your happiness. And so I sent my story in about uh, doing a D to day, and they put it in there. And then two years later, I got this book, Raising Great Kids, in the mail, and I was like, I don't remember ordering this. And it had a note in there that said... um, we read your story, and we decided we, it needed to be in this one, too. And then two years later, it ended up in Simply Happy. <laughs> and then one time I was at a Christian writing conference, and an editor met with me, and I was— I didn't have many publications under my belt yet, so the one I talked about was my day-to-day little story in, a, in chicken soup. And he said, well, I want this to be a whole book of its own, where you not only tell us what you did as a family, but I want to know all those ripple effects and how it grew your faith. And so that became Adida Day, the book. Back to stories. So we talk about stories mattering. Well, of course, his story matters the most. And you know, the Christian publishing um, industry is a $1.2 billion industry. We are not an, uh, there's not a scarcity of information out there. But we have to be careful because many times it's just us Christians going into the Christian bookstores and, and taking in all of that information. We need to share all of that, all of God's story with others. And so, I'm stuck again, hold on. <laughs> there we go. When I was in the classroom I used to tell my kids to not be a story spoiler. You know, when they would give a book report or they would do a book review, I would say, don't give away the ending because then they're not gonna wanna read the book. So make sure, you know, just tell, you know, why someone might like it, but don't tell the ending. But when it comes to the Bible, we wanna be a story spoiler, don't we? We wanna tell them how it ends, that God is going to be the winner. So when we're sharing stories, I think it's really important in these days especially, to share that His story teaches us Jesus' victory on the cross sets us free to be a work in progress. That we don't have to be perfect. That we're all sinners. You know, that's one of the things our pastor, every time he gets up in front of the church, he says, you know, everyone is welcome and no one is perfect. And I think people need to hear that. So some people that are maybe far from Jesus maybe need to hear, you don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus. Jesus is the perfect one. And that we just need to be that work in progress and be continuing to grow our faith and trust in Him. So His story teaches us that we are loved. And if you look in Ephesians, you will know that you are also chosen, blessed, holy, blameless, adopted, forgiven, redeemed and of course loved. I love Big Daddy Weave's song, My Story. And you know he says, to tell you my story is to tell of Him. And that's how we should live. We should people should be able to see Him in us. That's one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten when I have spoken at teaching conferences and when I've um, done different things at at writing events where I'm helping authors learn how to write picture books and things. You know, it's not a Christian event, but I have people come up to me afterward and say, you are shining Jesus through you. You keep doing that. And when I hear that, I, I stop and think, wow, you know, that is." that's what I want to do and if we can do that and show his story through us maybe we can bring more people to him so this is the revision conference and revision literally means to see again and I feel like If we can help other people see again and again how God is working in us and through us and that He has a perfect plan for us and all He is doing, He is doing for our good. If we can share that story, if we can be bold, then we can bless the world. Now being the writing nerd that I am, I did write a poem to end on. So. As we live each new chapter, we come to know how our stories connect us and help us grow. Our stories share truth, help us learn how to cope. When we press on, we give others hope. When we feel our life is a total mess or we feel we may cave under all the stress, we can lean on our God and trust as we should, knowing He does everything for our good. So share your life, both the joy and the pain. You'll help someone else through the wisdom you've gained. Help someone be brave or stand up for what's right. All and in all of your stories, shine God's light. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for bringing us all here safely together to gather in your name. May you bless the time spent here tonight and tomorrow. And thank you so much for Ross and the team that is putting all of this together. And we just pray that that through all of these efforts, that it would draw us closer to you and that we would be able to bring others closer to you as well. We pray all this in your name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Feed the Sheep this week. May the spirit be within you, may it be upon you to embolden you in your faith, to go out and advance the gospel to build the kingdom and bless the world.